as we get closer to that. So we're just happy to be able to gather here this morning, and I'd like to enter into the teaching of the Word. And uh, we've been, uh, last week we started on this series thought of being filled, be filled is our, our series sermon title, uh, and, uh, and today we want to talk about encountering Pentecost, encountering Pentecost, and what does that mean, what does that look for for us, how do we encounter Pentecost is uh, the whole thought. So I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles again to the same reading that we had last week, which is Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, and then we're going to jump on to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be there from verses 1 through 8, and then we'll finish off at verse 12. The exact, the exact same verses that we read um, last week. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Be filled is our series sermon, and today we're talking about encountering Pentecost. Encountering uh, Pentecost. We read... In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. Chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now... There were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, each one heard them speaking in their own language. Verse 7, utterly amazed, they were asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what does this mean? Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word. We pray, Lord, that it would speak to our hearts, our lives, that it would uh, open up an appetite within us to always want to be filled. Filled of your presence, filled of your will, filled of your power, O oh God, to live the life that you have called us to live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, encountering, encountering Pentecost. Encountering Pentecost. So um, I, I spoke about this briefly last week. A little bit of context for anybody who may not have been here last week. Just in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, where are we? Day of Pentecost, what does that mean? So we know the day of Pentecost is a celebration that uh, the Hebrew people would gather together. And it was also known as a celebration of the weeks. It was seven weeks at seven days. 49 days, Pentecost, Pent, 50 means 50, and on the 50th day, it would come to conclusion, the Feast of the Weeks, was Pentecost. For the, for the Pentecost celebration, uh, Jews from all over would come, gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of the Weeks, to celebrate Passover. The Feast of the Weeks had to do with the first fruit. So they would gather the first fruit of the harvest, and they were dedicated to God, thanking God for the whole harvest. So it was a celebration that, that the Hebrew people would gather together to celebrate, and they would do it um, together. And again, so uh, remember, because of, uh, because of the 
captivity of, of the Hebrew people, the people of God, they were scattered to all nations and all cities, right? So people would come back for this, and in this time, people came back with their own now new native language. So there was people in Jerusalem that spoke different languages, and they had gathered for this one celebration. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls upon the 120 that were praying in the upper room. Now the 120 had been praying there, why? Because it had been 50 days since Jesus resurrected from uh, the, the tomb. He had walked among them for 40 days, coming in and out for 40 days, he had walked among them, and then he had ascended to heaven, and he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise my Father has uh, promised to us. Uh, the counselor my father has promised to us. The comforter we know as the Holy Spirit of God, the triune God. Um, so uh, they prayed for 10 days. Now they didn't know what to expect. They perhaps thought that the way Jesus ascended would be the way that he, he would descend. And he would be upon them again. And God would send someone just like Jesus, maybe in person. They, they didn't know what to expect. But after 10 days of praying on the last day of Pentecost... The story that we read told us that um, from heaven came what looked like tongues of fire that landed, that came upon the 120, and they began to speak in other languages. Now here is not angelic languages, it's other native languages. Why is this essential? Why? The Bible says that they were declaring the wonders of God in those native languages. And the people that were visiting Jerusalem from all other nations were hearing the declarations, the wonders of God being declared in the language that they knew. And this is important for us because as we spoke last week, it defined the purpose of the church. All nations, all tongues, all languages, right? And, uh, and then the people gathered and they were amazed. They were perplexed and they were like, what does this mean? And that's when Peter stands up and he preaches a very uh, Christ-centered sermon talking about uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And, uh, and the Bible says that 3,000 people that day gave their heart to the Lord. And from there... From the day of Pentecost started this wonderful move of God that today we still celebrate. And it started, why? Because 120 disciples of Christ were obedient and they waited on the promise to be filled. They were already followers of Jesus, but God wanted to do something different in their lives. Not just mark them as Christians, but he wanted to empower them in a way that they would be able to do the work that he had called them to do. So he descended one just like him, the Holy Spirit that came upon them and empowered them for the next stage of ministry of the church here on the earth. So Pentecost is important. Uh, and it's important for the church. We, as we spoke about last week, yes, we're known as a Pentecostal church and that is our denomination. But it, uh, that just labels who we are and it reminds us that we are a church that is open to the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, Pentecost and the church of today. So last week, I shared with you four points, right, with regard to Pentecost and the church of today. I shared with you that Pentecost teaches us that we're not alone. It reminds us that the Holy Spirit came upon us and we have God with us every single day and because he is victorious we could also be victorious we are not alone and the church says Pentecost to find our purpose it reminded us that this message of Jesus is for every tongue for every nation for every tribe 
for every skin color, right? For every generation, it reminded, it defined our purpose as, as the church to know that it's just not one group of people, but it's for all people. For Jerusalem, uh, for Samaria, and for the ends of the earth. Pentecost also proved our faith in Christ. Jesus had made this declaration. He had said, this is what would happen. He had said, wait until the counselor. Don't leave Jerusalem. Um, my, my father will send this promise to you. And it was an affirmation uh, of the words of Jesus. He had told the disciples, I will not leave you an orphan. I will send you someone. My father will send you someone just like me. It was an affirmation that we can trust the words of Jesus. Even today, we can still trust the words of Jesus. We spoke about this last week, and the last thing was Pentecost reminds us that we must be filled. It reminds us that we must seek God for filling, not just to be sealed, but to be filled. And we're going to talk more about that today. See, when one is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we enjoy, we enjoy a life of victory, a life of, that overcomes sin, a life of joy and peace, the power to do the work of Christ. Why? Because we know that we're being led by God. When we enjoy being filled with the Spirit of God, something happens to the Christian, to the believer, that says less of me and more of God. I die to myself and I just make myself vulnerable so that God can fill me and use me for his own glory and for his own honor. Something happens to that believer that says, I render my will and I align my will with God's will. I, I will be led by him. I will uh, uh, follow what he says and I will live the life that he has called us to live. That means I will live a life of, of forgiveness and kindness and, and generosity and patience and, and love because uh, filled with the Holy Spirit leads us in, in those things. So uh, I would ask us today then, well, how can we encounter Pentecost? How, how can we encounter it? How can we enjoy this life of being filled because once we come to know Christ we know that the Bible says that we are sealed with his Holy Spirit but I want to suggest to you this morning and remind you the more fellowship we have with Christ the more we make ourselves available to him to be used by him the more we align our will with his will and the more we make ourselves sensitive to what he wants to do in our lives you see everybody who comes to Jesus is sealed with the Holy Spirit the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, um, in him you also when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us were sealed. But there is a difference between sealed with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, he tells us, when he's talking about uh, the, the gospel of salvation here, he tells us that we are sealed the moment that we ask Christ. That means that you ask Christ to come into your life, he comes into your life, and he wants to do something marvelous in you and through you, and you now have been separated. And there is a process that happens in our life that's called sanctification. The moment that you ask Jesus to come into your life, you are sanctified. The Holy Spirit of God sanctifies you and gives you the right to enter into the room with the Father. That's because you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit by your act of faith and you're receiving Jesus as your Savior. He sanctifies you that morning, uh, that, that time, and that's why we're known as the saints of Christ. Progressively being sanctified as well, but there is a moment, there's something that happens to us in the supernatural that only an encounter with Jesus would allow us to understand. 
See, when we pray, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the door that opens up for us, that allows us to go into a room and have a conversation with the Father. And he can have a conversation with us because when he looks at us, he sees the seal of his Holy Spirit and the blood of his Son that has washed us away from all our sins and allows us to enjoy this relationship with the Father. It allows us, because when the Father looks at us, He doesn't see our sin, He doesn't see our failures, He doesn't see our mistakes, past, present, or future. He sees the, His Son, Jesus Christ, who is now our Lord and our Savior. And we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful promise for each and every one of us that are here that have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But for the believer that yearns and desires to be used by God, through spiritual gifts, as we said last week, for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost, we must go beyond just being sealed. We must desire and long to be filled with God's Spirit. And I love that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul there says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is the battery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the same chapter that we read, that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, Five chapters later, the Apostle Paul is telling us now, well, remember that in this world there will be things that are going to try to attract you and fill you and take your attention and break your focus and they're going to try to take place and be rooted in your life. But he tells them, don't be filled with those things, but make yourself available to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. You see, some people may struggle in their life and say, you know, but I want God to use me. I want the spiritual gifts to flow through me. And I want God to use me for his glory and for his honor. And yeah, I'm a Christian, but we must yearn and desire less of us and more of him positions us in a place where he could use us for his glory and for his honor. And the church says... There are some, some that may struggle and say, Man, yeah, I want, but you know, are, are, are we living the life that we want to live knowing that at times it's not the best thing for us? Well, God, God will save anybody. He will save anybody, but he is looking for a particular type of person to impart his spiritual gifts. And the church says, he will save anyone. There's no one that, that is too far for God. But he's looking for a particular type of person that he can pour out his spirit upon, his gifts upon, to use them for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. Encountering Pentecost for many of us, you know, we were taught. We were taught. I, I, I grew up Pentecostal. I still am Pentecostal from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And we were taught. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, go into your room, lock the door, and pray until the Spirit descends. Now, I'm okay with that advice. I am okay with that advice. I think it's good. If you haven't done it in a while, go in your room, lock yourself in there, close the door, and pray. Because we need that time with the Lord. We need that time with the Lord. But I don't believe that that is strictly the formula that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we have a lot of people that do a lot of praying and still need to empty themselves of some of the things that have taken root in their lives that shouldn't take root in their lives. Um, so, so I want to encourage you then. So I want to just, for everything, we always go back to the beginning. 
For everything, we always go back to well, what, what, what can we learn? So I'd like to quickly this morning, just let's look at the 120 in the upper room. What can we learn from them? What can we learn from them that says, wow, um, I could apply that to my life, that opens me up, gets me ready to be filled like they were filled. It's always good to go back. So let's look at the 120. And uh, I got five quick points this morning. If we don't get through all of them, we'll, we'll get to it another time. But what can we look at them? The first one is, so we're talking about encountering Pentecost. How can I embrace Pentecost? How, how can I, uh, we, last week we talked about the internal aspect of, of emptying ourselves. Uh, emptying ourselves, that was our last point. If you didn't hear it, go back to um, last week's sermon uh, and hear it. Emptying ourselves and emptying ourselves of our pride, of, 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 of those things that take root, right? So that the Holy Spirit of God will have place within us. So now there is also an external reaction. Uh, encountering Pentecost, how can we embrace the spirit of Pentecost? The first one is through steadfast prayer. And I think it's important that we re-mention it again. I love that the Bible says in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, talking about the 120. They went to the upper room and they prayed. Where they learned this from? They learned this from Jesus. Uh, when they did not know what to do for 10 days, they said, let's do what Jesus did. Jesus prayed, let's go and pray. Mark 1.35 teaches us that, uh, that Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5 tells us, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Right? Uh, we understand that, that this is what Jesus did. And I quoted this last week, and I thought it was so good, I want to quote it again. Uh, Dallas Willard said this, Hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. Uh, you need time and space to hear God clearly. When we're always on the go, moving from task to task, with earbuds in our ears, emails open, television blasting, and social media buzzing, God is left in the background. So we, we need to carve out time. I had a professor uh, in my undergrad who said, if you want to hear from God, take the day off, go to the park, sit under the tree, and meditate on the greatness of God. To carve out time and hear from the Lord. Prayer aligns our will with God's will. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there must be this communication with God. I love that Jeremiah says this. God speaking through Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. If you want to know the secrets of God's truth for your life, it happens in prayer. The things that we don't know call out to God. The psalmist said in Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call to him, to all who call on him in truth. And I love that in truth because, you know, we may call on him and say, Lord, could I have the lot on numbers? Um, in truth. In what's, what has to do with his perfect will for our lives. James 4 tells us, come near to God and he will come near to you. E.M. Bounds writes in his book on um, prayer, he says, a prayerless Christian will never learn God's truth. A prayerless Christian will never learn God's truth. So I want to encourage you four things, applicable things, 
First of all, I want to encourage you, come to our prayer service. We have prayer service every Tuesday night. The church is open at 7, about 7.30, 7.40. We start corporate prayer. We do a couple of corporate, uh, corporate worship, a couple of corporate prayer uh, petitions, and then we finish off with a quick reflection. But we gather as a church in prayer on Tuesday nights. Now we're approaching the summer. It gets a little easier. I hope to see you here. We've been having some wonderful groups coming in on Tuesday night. This Tuesday we had about 50 people. It's beautiful. But I think that we could have 100 people, 150 people, or a couple of hundred people. Why? Because both ministries should come together Tuesday night, and we should pray as a church. Every great revival began in a prayer service. So I want to encourage you, Tuesday nights, come be a part of that. I also want to encourage you that, you know, at 6.30 in the morning, at the end of the service, you're going to see it projected here. At 6.30 in the morning, we have a group of people that gather Monday through Friday on a prayer call. And they pray for you and they pray for me. 6.30 a.m. and that's been happening for years. And maybe you feel like, you know what, it's time for me to log on once or twice a week to the prayer call. And we have some people that are there every single day. Sometimes it's five people, six people, seven people. And they're getting together and they're praying and they're seeking God. You, you can be a part of that if you wish. And you'll see that pop on the screen towards the end. You can snap a picture of it and log into it and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I'm in my car going to work or I'm getting ready. I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to listen. I'm going to come in agreement. Every so often I'll lead a prayer as well. Why? Because I want to be a part of what God is doing in in the church and in our lives. That's our prayer line. First Sunday of the month, Pastor Hector and Ruth lead a prayer service here at 9 o'clock in the morning, just one hour before this 10 a.m. service. First Sunday of the month. Come and gather with them in prayer. But I want to encourage you to, to carve out 10 to 15 minutes a day. That's where we start. 10 to 15 minutes a day that says, Lord, I just want to, I just want to turn my phone off. I just want to take the earbuds out my ears. It, it, it's not about time of listening to music. It's about me and you spending time in quietness together. 10 to 15 minutes. And let the Holy Spirit of God minister to you. I know that sometimes, you know, we've been taught, hey, we got to be like some of the preachers in the, in the history of the church that they prayed for hours. And that's wonderful. But sometimes we just don't have the discipline just yet. So I would say, let's not set the bar to a place that we can't reach it. Let's start at a place that we know we can. And if the Holy Spirit leads us for a little bit more, if we see something happening in our lives that is intensifying within our walk with God, then, I, then the Holy Spirit will lead us. But would you start off carving out 10 to 15 minutes of quiet time with the Lord every day? Some of our former Pentecostal pastors and preachers would say, Carlos, what are you saying? 10 minutes. Everyone starts somewhere. And the church says, I, I want to encourage you. There's also... Um, you know, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Also, find a time in your car where the music is on. Then it's okay. Find a time when you are home. Then it's okay. And also, let the Holy Spirit just minister to you. And find those times of prayer. If we persevere in prayer, we will be filled with the Spirit of God. We will encounter Pentecost. And the church says, so we're talking about encountering Pentecost. How do we do that? The first one is persevering in prayer. Number two, we uh, encounter Pentecost through consecration. Uh, during the Passover, the 120 separated themselves. They were in the upper room. They were not in the city where all the feasting is at. They had separated themselves. It's pretty obvious that we could discern a little bit of what was happening on the day of Pentecost. Because when they saw the tongue-speaking disciples of Jesus, 
They were like, they're drunk. So that tells us the lens in which they discerned what was happening. And the lens in which they discerned what was happening was the atmosphere of the festival. But it's interesting that the 120 chose not to be there. They knew that they could not be filled with the Spirit of God in the midst of that atmosphere. And for that reason, they had to separate themselves and they went into the upper room. If the church wants to be filled, there must be a separation. There must be a consecration between the church and the world. There must be a separation. We must look different. There has to be a difference within us. If we look exactly like the world looks and act like the world acts and speaks like the world speaks, they'll have no interest in us. What will attract a broken world is a healthy church. There must be a difference. If we want to position ourselves uh, to be uh, filled with the presence of God, there must be a consecration. And I want to encourage you to evaluate, Lord, what are the things in my life that I know they're not pleasing to you? There are things that we have to surrender and give up. And, and I don't want to stand up here and project to, that that sounds easy. It doesn't sound easy. It doesn't sound easy. It's not easy to carve some things out of our lives that we like. In fact, the Bible calls them the pleasures of the world. They're pleasures because we like them. And at times there's things we, that we have allowed to take root within us. And they've taken the place of God. And they've taken the place of holiness. And we're sealed because we're Christians, but there's no place for filling. Because we have allowed the things of the world. Paul calls it, uh, do not get drunk in wine. And he is looking for, um, he is looking to teach us there with regard to drunkenness. But I'd like us to understand that the things of the world are the battery. They take a place in our lives that the Holy Spirit is supposed to take. I want to encourage you this morning. What consecration do we need if we want to be filled? God is looking to save anybody. But he's looking for a particular person to pour his spirit into. And the church says, nowadays, you know, there's so much tolerance. You know, how much is allowed? What is okay? What is not okay? You know, I have to say, when we are looking at the gospel in this lens of rules and regulations, we've missed the mark completely. If we're like, hey, can I, can I do this? Can I not do this? Hey, pastor, is a half a glass of wine okay with a piece of steak? I mean, we, we, you know, we, when we're in this, can I, can I, we've missed the gospel and we made it about rules and regulations and we've set some bars that we're trying to reach and when we don't reach them, we feel bad because we're not living the life that we're supposed to live. I want to tell you here today that if you have to ask, is it good or bad, it's probably the Lord wants you to stay away from it. Could that be a good barometer that we use? If there is a struggle within me, a struggle within me, I said, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? Should I not do it? Maybe uh, it's not for you to do, but you say, you know what? But so-and-so does it. I'm not going to gauge my life by so-and-so. Right? So this is not for everybody. This is not for everybody. We're Christians, we're sealed, but there are a group within the body of Christ that says, Lord, I want you to use me. 
And if we really want the Lord to use us, there must be a consecration. There must be a separation. And I have learned this, and, and I've learned it the hard way. The higher you go up, the more sacrifice there needs to be. The higher you go up, the more sacrifice there needs to be. The more the Lord is positioning to use you, the more sacrifice. And, and sometimes we just don't want to. And for that reason, this is not a salvation thing. This is a thing that says, Lord, I, I, I want to be used by you. And the church says, so I want to encourage you. Um, how do we embrace Pentecost, encountering Pentecost? It's done through steadfast prayer. It's done through consecration. Uh, no, number three, uh, it, it's done uh, through perseverance. Through perseverance. Uh, I love that the church prayed for 10 days. They, they didn't know. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know, um, you know, who was coming. Jesus said the promise, the, count, the, the comforter, the counselor. Uh, the palacretos, uh, what, what did that all mean for them? They did not know. They thought, you know, Jesus ascended, he'll probably descend or send somebody just like him. They did not know, but that, didn't, that did not change them. They persevered. They prayed for 10 days. They waited on the Lord. They waited on God. They persevered. I want to encourage you. If you want fullness, full Pentecost, there must be a spirit of per perseverance in our lives. It, 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 you know, sometimes we're just up and down, up and down, in and out, good and bad. Um, we're, we're not making ourselves completely available for the Lord to do great things in us and through us in those times. I want to encourage you that this Christian life that you have been saved to, that it would be one that you persevere wholeheartedly in every aspect of your life. You know, I want to encourage you, persevere in all that is righteous and all that is right and all that is integral. Uh, right? Uh, be, be the one that it encourages. Uh, don't be the one that throws in the towel quickly. Persevere for your marriage and for your family and for your children and for your church. You know, uh, I want to encourage you, persevere in your studies, in your Bible institute, in your Sunday school, in your small groups. Persevere. Persevere in them. Persevere in the ministry that you're leading. Persevere in it. If you want to be filled, we, it, there must be a persevering. Persevere in what you're taught. Persevere in consecration and in prayer. And persevere in all the things that you're called to be faithful to. Persevere in them. Don't give up. Don't throw in the white towel. Um, you know, when we do, we're just up and down, hot and cold. Yes and no. We miss the opportunities. If you ask people who've been in this a long time, uh, they'll tell you longevity over a long period of time has helped me. Can we be a persevering people? The Bible language, biblical language, is about persevering. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast on the trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love and persevere. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Paul tells Timothy, if we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we endure, if we persevere, 
Uh, Jesus uh, reminds us through the angel in Revelations, I am coming soon. He says, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your, your crown. Hold fast, persevere. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. Reminding us, this is our biblical language to persevere and to endure. And those are the ones that enjoy being filled. Because God is not looking for just any particular person to pour his spirit into, his gifts into. But he's looking for somebody that has loved the call and says, I will persevere. I will persevere. And the church says, so we're talking about encountering Pentecost through prayer, through consecration, through perseverance, number four, through unity. So I love this because the Bible says that they were all gathered together. They were all gathered together. A spirit of unity. They prayed together. In fact, when you continue to read Acts, they helped each other. They sold what they had. They gave it to each other. They, they blessed each other. You know, uh, uh, it was a spirit of unity. If anything, I can take a lot of pride in, forgive me here, uh, if it doesn't sound right, but I love, I, I see a lot of unity within our church, and I love uh, that our church family blesses each other and encourages each other. Uh, if anything had revealed that, the pandemic, those two years of pandemic, especially the first six months, revealed the spirit of unity. I, I mean, so many of our people were just blessing people and helping people. I have stories upon stories upon stories, so do you, I know that, of just people going out of their way to to bless other people, to help, to find. Remember the whole uh, toilet paper scarce thing? I mean, people were like, we need toilet paper, right? And, um, and, and, and people were just sharing toilet paper. I mean, the spirit of unity. It's important within the church because God is not looking for anybody who wants to build their own empire. He is looking for a church that walks together. A church that walks together. He's looking for the body of Christ, not just ECC, not just us here, but that the body of Christ, that when we pray for our church, that we pray for the church in the corner as well. That their, their, their success would be our success. That the body of Christ would grow together. Sometimes, oh, I'm going into my pastoral theology here. Forgive me for a second. But sometimes we have a multi-million dollar ministry right here and right next door there's a church that can't even pay its rent. That, that the church would think a spirit of unity, oneness, wholeness. That's why we give to missions. That's why we serve others. And, and we have learned here at ECC, and this is something that has been taught to me from our mentors, and, uh, and we share, so, uh, but we have, we have learned that if we're faithful into what has been entrusted to us, this house will never be, have need, never have need. Right? And we'll be able to launch vision and we'll be able to, to do the things that God puts in our hearts. God is the one that puts things in our hearts and he's the one that completes them. All we have to do is faithful to whatever it is that is entrusted to us. Come through a spirit of unity. And now I want to speak to our church. Don't let anyone or anybody speak against that. You need to be vocal about it. If somebody wants to come and says, ah, man, so and so, and they want to birth negative thoughts, tell them, Brother, that's so negative. You want to really scare the life out of them? Say, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> They'll be like, no pa tanto. Um, they'll never come back to you with a negative complaint again. Uh, 
that we would keep the spirit of unity. And let us be careful that we're not always speaking negative. Negative, 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 negative. Have you ever talked to somebody or worked with somebody or have done ministry with somebody that they never see the positive, they see the negative? Negative, negative. He's like, dude, do that. Come on, help us here. Let us be careful that we're not those that are planting those negatives because God is looking for a particular person that's willing to pour his spirit into. And the church says, that we would be united in vision and mission and spirit. That we would be united into the things that God has called us to do. And I've said this a million times. So I want to say it one more time. Don't ever give anyone so much influence over you that their negativity would change the way that you think, the way that you live, the way that you lead your family, the way that you love your church, the way that you serve the Lord. Don't let anybody's negative uh, spirit be so influential that alters the thing that God is doing in our lives. No one should have. Listen, in this world that we live in, we're going to have to deal with some negativity. But that doesn't have to be influential over my life. It doesn't have to be influential over your life. I will lead the bar that, we, that I leave for our home, our lives. You lead the bar that leads for your home and your life. And together, understanding that God has called us for this, we can see his glory, his will. And, and why do we say this? Not for the... For, 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 for our own self-esteem. No. For the edification of the church and the salvation of the lost. And the church says, our last point this morning, talking about encountering Pentecost. Encountering Pentecost. What can we learn from the church on 100, uh, the, the 120? The 120 in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Uh, the last point is through availability. Through availability. I love that they were available to be used by the Holy Spirit. I love that they let the Holy Spirit descend upon them. They made themselves available. Peter, 53 days before, he denied Jesus. 53 days later, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he makes himself available and he preaches a Christ-centered message. Um, that we would be, would be available. You see, God is not looking for just anybody to pour his spirit in. But he's looking for a particular people that say, like, like Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. I'll, I'll go. I make myself available to be used by you, oh Lord. Availability. Because, the pen, because Pentecost, the baptism of the spirit, the fullness of the spirit, has everything to do with the edification of the church and the salvation of the lost. You know, it, it doesn't have to do with individuals looking more spiritual than others. It doesn't have to do with individuals looking like, you know, they have a greater call than others. It doesn't have nothing to do with those things. The spiritual gifts and the fullness of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit has everything to do with the edification of the church and the salvation of the lost. And if we want God to use it, if we want to embrace Pentecost, if we want to be filled with the Spirit, then we must make ourselves available. Lord, use me. Here I am for your glory and for your honor. And the church says, um, as I close our, our teaching this morning with the help of the musicians, last week we talked about uh, emptying ourselves emptying ourselves 
and looking within us, examine ourselves, things that have taken root, uh, less of us, there's more space for God, internal. So today is more of a, the way that we're living, prayer, consecration, perseverance, availability, unity. It's more external because it's an internal work, but there's also a way that we live that must make ourselves available for God to fill us. It's not just about this, here I am, Lord, fill me, but how we live positions us to be filled with the very Holy Spirit of God. Remember, God will save anyone. Thank God for that, because some of us, you know, we're so, we were so lost, and God was patient with us, and he saved us. He'll save anybody, but he's looking for a particular people that he can pour his spirit into. And those people have to be individuals that say, less of me and more of you, God. Not only that, those people need to say, Lord, I position myself in prayer to align my will with your will, O oh God. Those are the people that say, Lord, I will not look like the world. Nope. I will represent you. I will, I will look like Christ. I will represent you the way that honors you, O oh Lord. Those are the people that persevere. That are just not up and down, in and out. No, persevere. Persevere and push through. Those are the ones that, that cultivate unity. And they make themselves available. So it's an internal work, but it also reflects on the way that we live this life. And God says, I want to use you for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost to be filled and the church says would you join me by standing this morning perhaps you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you and, and he's telling you okay position yourselves position yourselves for the next as I've been praying and preparing and, and, and studying and reviewing, and I say, Lord, help me, Lord, to position myself that I can be filled with your presence. Filled in a way, Lord God, that you could use us with your spiritual gifts for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. Lord, that our lives would be pleasing unto you. That it would just not be a title or it would just not be a, a platform, oh God, but that the experience, Lord, would, would be so real. That it would be life-changing. Perhaps there's someone here today that is saying, Lord, I want to be filled. I want to be filled. When the presence of God fills the church, the church will draw the world in. I said that last week. They will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the world the, the world will draw the church out. Perhaps you're here today and the Lord is, is speaking to you. And he's saying, would you make yourself available so that I can fill you 
fill you. Are you ready to live a life of steadfast prayer? Are you ready to live a life of consecration, separation? Are you ready to live a life of perseverance? Are you ready to live a life of unity? Are you ready to live a life of availability? If you are, you are the type of person that God wants to pour His Spirit into for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. As we sing this next song, the altar is open. If the Lord is ministering to you today and your longing is to be filled, to be filled and you would like to join in prayer, then as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to be bold and come and share this time in an act of faith that says, Lord, I want to be filled. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, well, the Lord wants to seal you, change you, baptize you, and fill you for His glory and His honor. And if you're here this morning and you, you're far from God, today is the day that you can draw near to the Lord. You can leave this place filled with the presence of God to live the life that God has called you to live. And, it's, and if you're saying, that's me, I'm, I'm lost and I need salvation, I want to invite you to come and I want to pray with you and, and lead you in these first few walks that will change your life forever. As we sing this song, the altar is open this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.